powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. One day closer to Friday, which means you are one day closer to the Super Bowl. I'm really excited for this one. I know that's not where we're starting the show, per se. We're about to talk about some Seahawks OC candidates. But, Bump, I am so excited for this Sunday. I am, too. It's uh, it's bittersweet. Bittersweet. Because uh, you get to the Super Bowl, you see two of the best teams go at it. But then, you know, football season is over oh, after that. Oh, it's like unwrapping Christmas presents. Yeah, and then you got to wait a while. I mean, you know, baseball gets going, so they get to look at the Mariners or whatnot. But, no, I'm excited, too. You got two different situations going down to the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about that later as well. But, uh, no, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I want to see if one of the uh, guys we assume to be the GOATs Mm -hmm. gets the win or the guy that everyone passed on gets the win. Which is a very cool story. Coming up at 11, we're going to talk about some of what we feel are the most fascinating stories heading into this one. Do you already have the spread picked out or are you guys going to wing it maybe Saturday go to the store get a couple things uh you know what I just man this is going to be it might be a tough weekend for your boy Why? because my wife's best friend just moved to Gig Harbor they got uh-huh. this big house right and they invited us to watch the game in Gig Harbor that's cool yeah that's like an hour and a half away for your boy oh no and they invited us to stay the night and my wife wants to do it. So that means I just have to wake up earlier from Gig Harbor and drive back to work. But, you know, they're, they're friends, you know, family. We appreciate them. So it, it, either way, it's going to be a long weekend this for you. This sounds boy. like, Bump, you would prefer to watch the Super Bowl at home, but you're being a good husband and teammate. <laughs> I think um, keeping, it the, keeping the team first. Like Bump wants it's, to watch from his you own know couch. What? Today is Jennifer Bumpus's birthday, so happy birthday, <laughs> uh, Jennifer. And uh, if Wifey wants to go to gig to the gig, then we go into the gig. Look, when you got a 10, you got to do what she wants. Right. And them's the rules. Got to keep her around. Uh, I will say I'm very curious to see, you know, is a Michael Bumpus uh, that doesn't have to drive after the game going to be a Michael Bumpus is pretty tired <laughs> on Monday morning. I don't know. We're going to find out. They're going to be mad when I go to sleep as soon as the celebration's <laughs> over in the Super Bowl. Like, all right, guys, I'm going to go. I'm going to go lay it down. I'm going to go take some notes. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. You take the dip with you. Yeah. Take the seven <laughs> layer. Pick up dip. like a whole casserole dish. I'll see you guys all later. Guys, I'm going peace. to bed. Uh, well, let's get um, to the Seahawks OC search. We're kind of bouncing back and forth between Super Bowl stuff, some Mariners news. Uh, and of course, the Seahawks, as they continue to build out their coaching staff, they're still looking for an offensive and defensive coordinator. We've seen a couple names linked, but we're going to start on the offensive side of things with which name intrigues you most. The number one name link right now appears to be Chip Kelly. That originally reported by Benjamin Solak of The Ringer. Um Joel Klatt uh, was on with Brock and Salk, talked about why Mike McDonald would be considering Chip. I do find it interesting that a guy that may be getting a shot a hair early, uh, Mike McDonald, would be looking to a guy like Chip uh, to be a coordinator who has head coaching experience, vast head coaching experience at both levels. So I don't think that this is necessarily a schematic deal offensively. Now, you can certainly make the argument that the NFL game is is closer to what the college game has been historically over the last 20 years than ever before. You can make a strong argument that the offense that Chip excels in and what he even did at Philadelphia is certainly something that can and would work in the the NFL right now. 
Why is Chip Kelly leading off the show once again, Bump? Because, one, we're all still wondering who's going to be OC. But also, uh, apparently, and this from Ben Axelrod, on 92.3, um, which is a, a station uh, over in, I believe, Cleveland, they said Chip Kelly's expected to be Ohio State's next offensive coordinator if Bill O'Brien gets the BC job. Here's what we learned yesterday. Chip Kelly clearly wants out of UCLA. <laughs> I think we can expect some Chip Kelly that news sometime soon. Never wants to see the colors blue or gold ever He's again. He's done. And they've been doing them dirty over there too, honestly. Yeah. UCLA. At least the speculation has been unwarranted, in my opinion. Okay. Um, he has some success over there. You look at just who UCLA is when it comes to recruiting in the Pac-12, and uh, they're never at the top. They haven't been at the top of recruiting since like the 2000s when Deshaun Foster was over there, who just got the running back's job with the Raiders. Big ups, uh, the homie Deshaun. Um. He's done a lot with a little. Now, you, you can look at his quarterback situation and say, but you got the number one quarterback in the country, I think a class 2023 or 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, you should be able to uh, do more. Your recruiting should be on point. But you look at everything else that's around that Going quarterback, and you go, you go, hey, man, it's tough. One, it's hard to get into UCLA. right? I got an offer to go to UCLA, and they asked me to take an extra chemistry class, and I said, no, thank you. I'll be taking my talents elsewhere. right? It's just harder to get into UCLA. You deal with some other things, and uh, he didn't, to me, he didn't feel appreciated over there. Now, say what you want about Chip. Everyone goes back to his personality, and I think people expect Pete Carroll, they expect one of these younger, um, more energetic type of personalities. That's just not who he is. Might rub some people the wrong way. Me personally, I go, that's why I was coached. So it it just makes sense to me. So, uh, yeah, I think he does one out of there. You see the moves that he's making. He's been connected to another program with a – uh, what was the other program? Uh, the Commanders and then Ohio State. Ohio State, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's got options, and he's at a point of his career where he should have options. And if he wants to make a move, he makes a move. So uh, I'm interested in the, the Chip Kelly rumors going around. Joel Klatt had one more thing to say, that about Chip Kelly's success. I think Chip has shown, an, uh, ing- I would say, an incredible ability to find run game success everywhere that he's been. It's, it's. I, I don't know why it's been, I, I think, miss misconceived as like a a, a, a finesse offense but it's mm-hmm. not everywhere mm-hmm. that he's been they've been the top rushing team now he just uses space to rush as as well as anybody but they've always been a great running team and that's certainly something that would be attractive to mike mcdonald who's coming from a harbaugh tree who understands the complimentary football playing great defense and being tough at the line of scrimmage is the way that you win and so i think those things are, are what is driving this Now, part of this open is to ask all of you guys what name intrigues you most of the four that we're going to cover here. And I don't know that Chip Kelly would be at the very top for a ton of people, obviously because of his struggles later in his career with the Eagles and obviously in his one season with the 49ers. But you really like the pick. Yeah, it's almost like uh, Joe Clyde was listening to the show yesterday. He was taking notes. He was taking notes uh, because I mentioned those same things is that when you – think of Chip Kelly, you think of Oregon, and you think of the Eagles. I think mm-hmm. people kind of watched that 49ers As they should. Year. It was a bad team. Yeah, it was a horrible team. And you think of Oregon, jerseys, high-flying speed, right? You don't think of them as a run-the-ball physical type of team, but that's exactly what they were. If you look at Chip Kelly, I want to say he had at least 
three running backs drafted um, in the NFL while he was there. They're going to run the football. Last year, UCLA, they averaged around 185 yards per game on the ground. That was best in the Pac-12. The year before that, they averaged 239 yards on the ground, one of the best run games in the country. Guess who was the running back over there, the feature running back, Zach Charbonnet that year. So he's shown that he wants to run the football. Like Joe Klatt said, like I said yesterday, the spacing. It's just the way he lines up pre-snap that makes you think this is a finesse type of team, but all he's doing is making that box nice and light for his mm-hmm. offensive linemen, and if you do want to pack it up, he will throw the ball on the outside. Me, personally, I like this. If Chip Kelly were to be here with the Seattle Seahawks, it makes complete sense to me. Forget about his personality. He does not have to lead the organization and get up in front of people and make you feel all warm and fuzzy. That's not his job. His job is to call a great game and put his uh, his players in positions to make those plays. I think he can do that here. Another name, obviously, this one was linked uh, more heavily a couple days ago. Ryan Grubb, former OC for the Huskies. Uh, He hadn't yet committed to Alabama, it would seem. He obviously wasn't going to stay in Washington. He seemingly joined Kalen DeBoer's staff. Uh, But until about 24 hours ago, we all thought that this was a very real possibility for Ryan Grubb to join the coaching staff here in Seattle. Unfortunately, he introduced himself as Alabama's offensive coordinator at a signing event yesterday. So... There's some questions about whether or not that takes him entirely off the table. I will say, Bob Condota, uh, in his latest column for the Seattle Times, said there's still some belief that, uh, you know, maybe the Seahawks can still make a move. I'm paraphrasing what Bob said. Basically, right. Bob said, like, nothing's off the table. You know, he he had heard that there was interest in Grubb, and, and the Alabama football program hasn't officially introduced its coaching staff and made it official. So Men lie, women lie, contracts don't lie. Ain't no contract been signed yet. Right. No contract been signed. Until you see him put his name on that dotted line and say, look, I'm going to be the guy here. This is what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to assume the position until something else happens, until he either signs that contract with Bama or he does get an opportunity elsewhere. That has to be awkward, too, because you know that he's at these alum events and people are going to have questions for him. It's not like he's walking off of the stage, getting away from the podium, and he's just driving off into the whip and he's out. No, he's got to shake hands. He's got to look alum in the eyes. He's boosters in the eyes. And they're going to ask questions. So that's a tough position to be in, but it's also a, a position of privilege because you got options. And when you got the option to go to or be the offensive coordinator to one of the best universities when it comes to football in the country, good for you. And it seems like you have the option to go to the NFL and kind of start a new era here in Seattle. That's good for you. My man is hot right now. If it ain't Kalen DeBoer, it's Ryan Grubb, man, the hottest name in the Northwest. So he has options, but it does make for interesting and difficult conversations. So in this situation, Bump, the Seahawks are you and Ryan Grubb is Jen, where she was taken. (laughs) And that didn't stop the pursuit, though. Exactly. That's exactly what exactly. it is. Nice. You know Happy what I mean? Jeff. It's it's perseverance. Um, all right, so let's get to our third name. I, I like that with three of these four names, there was an update within the last 24 hours, so we kind of like can see a closer look at where all these are. Chip Kelly being linked to the Ohio State OC job. Uh, Ryan Grubb introducing himself as OC at Alabama. Does that take him off the table? Also, Eric Bieniemy. Now, Eric Bieniemy, we know, is out with the commanders. Uh, Adam Schefter said he expects him to uh, be with the team in 2024. But what we learned yesterday was that he appeared back with the Chiefs. He showed up uh, ahead of their AFC championship game. Take a listen to what head coach Andy Reid had to say. He actually came in and talked to our team. 
before our last game. So he uh, uh, talked to the offensive guys and hung out with us uh, in our meetings. So I have had a chance to talk to him. And he's, he's still up for a couple jobs. What do you think his future is in coaching? And would there be a spot on your staff if it doesn't work out for him somewhere else? I can't answer the last part because I have no spots right now. Um, I, I would tell you, I think his coaching future is great. I mean, I'm obviously a big fan of his, and I know the things that he, he can do. Now, you have been very intrigued by the idea of Eric Bieniemy coming to Seattle. Why? Yeah, um, one, because he's, I mean, he's been in the league for a while and he's had yeah. success, right? Andy Reid deserves all the praise that he gets, but there's a reason why Andy Reid has uh, Eric Bieniemy talking to his team. Um, we hear rumors about Bieniemy. People want to point at his uh, his record when it comes to uh, law enforcement or whatnot. A lot of that stuff happened in, I believe, what the early to mid '90s or whatnot. Can't ignore it; it's there. But I also think that people learn and they and they grow. But when you talk about him as an offensive coordinator, um, he did great things with the the Kansas City Chiefs. Now he went over to the Commanders and didn't have the success that he'd like. And when I mention his name, possibly being a guy to come over here in Seattle, people point out the obvious: he loves to throw the football. They threw the ball 37 times a game last year. That's second in the NFL, only second to the Dallas Cowboys, Cleveland right below them, which is funny to see Cleveland be number three yeah. with the run game that we're used to seeing. But I think with the injuries and Joe Flacco coming over, you kind of leaned in. Uh, you leaned into that. Um, I, I I like Eric Bieniemy because I feel like he's an innovator and he was part a big part of what the Chiefs were doing. The only question I have with Eric Bieniemy is – Will he be willing to run the football at a higher clip? And I think that he will be able or will be willing to do that over here based off of just the quarterback and the run game, the running backs that you have in this whole situation over here. And if Mike McDonald says, I love what you're doing in the past game, we like this, but I want to lean into the run a bit more. And and that's so hard to do because you have to be yourself and you have to take what the defenses are giving you. If the defense is packing the box and daring you to throw the football, you got to throw the rock. Yeah. Now you got to keep them honest and run that thing every now and then. But um, that's the only question I have with Airbnb, but he's been in this game so long. He's a running back himself out of Colorado. I believe he's a running back himself. I don't think that he, uh, he is against running the football. I think that he's going to take what the defense gives him. So no, I've been intrigued, man. As soon as he was not interviewed for that head coach job with the commanders, mm-hmm. I go, look, man, something's going on there. Take a look at this dude. Bring him in for an interview and see if you like him. Uh, all right. And there is a fourth candidate. And this candidate actually had an interview with the Seahawks. But I don't think many people know much about him here in Seattle. Uh, Tanner Ingstrom. Not a lot of people know about him. The reason you don't is because his name is not Tanner Ingstrom. It's Tanner Ingstrad. But you didn't even think that I was wrong, did you? No, because you don't know about him. <laughs> so I have – he's my biggest question mark. Um, he was a passing game coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Obviously, that offense was great. Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Lions, drew a ton of interest with several head coaching jobs. He's kind of facing what any um, – you know, pass game, run game coordinator would face, which is how much of this is what you did and how much is what Ben Johnson did. Yeah, and people say the same thing about Eric Bieniemy. Exactly. Even if you aren't calling the plays, you are involved in the game planning and there are conversations being had with you during the game and you're given information and your perspective. When you look at Tanner, man, he was a guy that I thought was going to be connected to the Chargers job because he was in San Diego with Jim Harbaugh. He was um, in Michigan as well. Once that was off the table, I'm going, okay, what else, where else can he go? And I look at 
the Lions offense. I like what they do. They run the football, use tight ends, play action. You got uh, Jared Goff over there looking great. He's worked with the tight ends. He's been the pass game coordinator there as well. So it's just him being able to get up on the whiteboard and talk football to Mike McDonald or whoever, if he is interviewed, and make them believe that he played a big role in this whole thing. Here's what people get confused sometimes is that you you see the offensive coordinator and he should get a lot of the love. He mm-hmm. should get a lot of the blame. But there are so many moving pieces to this thing, man. You got your offensive lineman with input. You got your, your quarterback coach with input. It's a collective effort, but the OC has the final say. And those efforts, when you're working together, have to, when you present it to your offensive coordinator, it has to be presented in a way that makes sense to him because essentially this is his offense yep. and his philosophy. So, yes, OC, you, you should get the love. You should get the hate. But there's a reason why when we're in the press box and it's halftime and we got to move out the, the hallway because you got 30 coaches running yeah. down the hall trying to get back to the press box. There's so many moving pieces. So I'm interested in uh, in Tanner because um, you can't ignore what Detroit looked like and you can't ignore his contributions to that. Well, and to tack on, everyone starts somewhere, right? right? So, you know, three of these candidates have been uh, head coaches or OCs before uh, with Grubb at the collegiate level. And uh, one of them is a pass game coordinator, but that's where Shane Waldron came from with the Rams, right? Yeah. So everyone starts somewhere. I wonder if Tanner will be the guy can for I, Can I have one more thing? Yes. 253 says, all of Eric's players hate him. Have you not heard all the interviews? So you've heard interviews from over 200 to 300 players. And if you thought... If if all the players hated Eric Bieniemy, why would Andy Reid bring him into that space before an AFC Championship game? You're, you'll never meet a coach that everyone loves. Mm-hmm. But to sit there and say all the players hate Eric Bieniemy, I think that's far. He's a controversial far-fetched. figure. For the record, Travis Kelsey said this yesterday. Eb was a was a special coach here for uh, for a long, long time, man. And I um, he's like a, he's like my uncle or a, a father figure in the football world for me. So just something to consider. Patrick Mahomes also with good One things One of the best players. The player who ain't getting no, no, no playing time definitely hates Eric bien because well, he ain't getting no playing time. Exactly. <laughs> there, is, there, is, there are fair question marks like, well, why weren't you hired to head coaching jobs? Yeah. And um, we're going to talk with, uh, with uh, Craig Hoffman, who uh, is in D.C. radio, who obviously oversaw bien uh, as OC with, there with the commanders. He might have some interesting things to say. So I, he's not like a universally – Loved guy. No. I don't think he's universally hated. I, I think, think so. he's controversial. Yeah. Um, Washington's biggest night out in sports is coming up February 15th. Guys, that's next week. It's the 89th annual Sports Star of the Year Awards, crowning our state's biggest stars and stories of 2023. You can find tickets and info at seattlesports.com slash events. This year, it's hosted by KJ Wright. Also, the dinner is really solid. I've been a couple times. Let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. Headline number one talked about a little bit in the open, but Ryan Grubb introduced himself as Alabama's offensive coordinator at a Crimson Tide signing day event on Wednesday. What's the real headline? The Seahawks have a chance to do the funniest thing ever. Hire him out from Alabama after they already think they have him. Play the game, Grub. Yeah. You do, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Someone's heart is going to be broken regardless. That's yeah. just the way it is. You're, you're the pretty girl, and you got two options right now. You're going to break someone's heart eventually. I uh, I had kind of let myself get really intrigued by the thought of Ryan Grubb as OC here in Seattle, and I don't know why because he's not experienced in the at the pro level. Um he had only been uh, with Washington, obviously, for a short period of time under Kalen DeBoer before the two moved on to Bama. Um, and I just, I think it's because I loved so much of what he did with the Huskies. That said, that offense 
got their butts whooped by Michigan uh, in the in the biggest game of the year. So I don't know. I think I I think I was all on board with um, you know getting new outside voices and taking big swings. And first it was Mike McDonald and Ryan Grubb felt like it fit into that in a way. Yeah. But yep. we're gonna go over a few more of those candidates later. Headline rewrites. Headline number two: The Mariners signed outfielder Kanan Smith and Jigba. Jackson's brother to their 40-man roster yesterday. What's the real headline? Ron Francis now asking the Smith and Jigba family if they know anyone who can skate. Just get a Smith and Jigba on every Build team. Build the whole town. roster out of Smith and Jigbas. Hey, keep it in the family. Welcome to the Northwest. Um, I believe Cannon, Cannon, Cannon. How do you, what's his name? Cannon. Cannon. 44 plate appearances in the majors last year. Uh, played some good ball in AAA. So, you know, hey, Potential. We know that he's uh, he's a good athlete. Look at his brother. Uh, we interviewed him on Hawks Live, and uh, it was fun watching JSN and his brother kind of go back and forth about who's the better athlete. I'll go, I would love to be a dad watching my kids go at it saying who's the better athlete, and they're both professionals. Like, yeah. Again, genetics, pedigree is real. <laughs> Headline rewrites. Harder to do, score a touchdown in the NFL or hit a home run? Oh, hit a home run. For sure. Hit a home run. Both seem impossible. <sighs> hit a home run. It's. It, I think I'm gonna go. Yeah, hit Didn't Deion Sanders say? Yeah, that Deion, hitting an off-speed pitch. Every time pitch Deion was, talked about his baseball career, he did it with a lot higher like regard yeah. for it. Like that was tough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, headline number three: MLB.com's Daniel Kramer says there's a good chance top Mariners prospect Harry Ford could see some reps in the infield during spring training. What's the real headline? Sounds like there's a good chance for debut sooner than expected. That's the real headline to me. Yeah, well, we know it's crowded behind the plate with uh, with Cal and, and Mitch, and we've heard this already, right, that um, he's a versatile type of player. Um, Harry Ford, he, when, when I did go to uh, Aqua Sox game, he was uh, one of the players that I was watching and, and seeing what he does. He's doing his thing, so uh, that's good. I think him and Cole Young are the only two guys who aren't on the roster who have been invited to spring training. That's a good start right there. Again, we talk about the farm league and the prospects. You ship some some off to get some talent. This is a guy that we're hoping that they hold on to and uh, just get him on the field, man. He's an athlete. He can play multiple positions. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Hey, I texted a friend who has a radio show in D.C. His name's Craig Hoffman. He's on the Team 980. And we were trying to find someone who could tell us about Eric Bieniemy. So I shot my shot. And I said, hey, Craig, do you know much about Eric Bieniemy? And he said, He's got thoughts. He did not tell me more than that. So we immediately booked him and we were like, please join and tell us your thoughts. That's coming your way in a few minutes. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Eric Bieniemy, best known for his time with Kansas City, is offensive coordinator there under Andy Reid. But he was also offensive coordinator and assistant head coach for one season with the Washington Commanders. Uh, and during that time, Craig Hoffman, who's host of the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, uh, gained better insight into Bieniemy and who he is as a coach. And so Bump and I have a lot of questions, understandably. And, you know, Eric Bieniemy hasn't been very specifically linked to Seattle, but he's an available OC. Seattle needs one. So it makes sense to have the conversation. Craig Hoffman joining us right now. Craig, how's it going? I'm good, Stacey. Uh, hello from Radio Row. Hi. I, first of all, I will be asking you about the most famous person you've seen out there. But before we get to it, uh, what are your <laughs> thoughts on uh, on Eric Bieniemy? You got to see him for a season there. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm not a big. Or let me put it this way: 
I think Eric's a very smart coach. I think he did a terrible job in Washington. He had a young quarterback in Sam Howell with a very well-known sack problem and dropped him back to pass more than any other player or any other quarterback in the entire league. And it's just coaching malpractice to me to expose your guy like that, especially behind an O-line that was pretty mediocre, um, a team that, from a personnel standpoint, had kind of been built to, to run the football. And there's a lot more like Washington-centric problems that, that we could go into on, on how that team was built. But ultimately, like he took the job, and he didn't do a very good job, even if I think he's a, a smart coach with some good concepts and um, obviously very successful in Kansas City and very well-respected around the league as, as a person. Um, yeah, that was kind of my concern as well when it comes to Biennemi is that he's going to throw the football. Was it anything that have to do with, uh, with Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, or do you think that he was just stubborn with his philosophy and said, this is what I do, this is what I love, uh, let's keep it rolling? Yeah, I think it was a stubbornness. I, I think he just believed that this is the way to go. Um, you know, he kind of joked in the preseason that Andy, you know, because Eric's a former running back, a former running backs coach, and uh, ultimately, he's like, yeah, Andy converted me to, to being a pass game guy. And uh, I, he just never had the balance. And, and I think while you know, all the analytics and, and will tell you, like, yes, you score by passing the ball in this league, and, and that's how you move it, there is a point of diminishing returns. No one had tried to pass it as much as Eric had. And you saw that there eventually is a point where defenses just don't respect the run at all, and they tee off on your quarterback. And, and so – I think that that was a huge problem. It was, didn't have anything to do with B-Rob, didn't have anything to do with AG. It's just philosophically where he sat. And, you know, this would be the thing that would worry the hell out of me if I was you guys in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Is He's incredibly stubborn. Now, he's smart. Um, I think he's well-liked in a lot of circles. But he is very, very stubborn and very, very, uh, I would say, hard-headed, which sometimes can be good, sometimes can be bad. But with a young head coach in McDonald's, like, that would really scare me, the, the personality conflict there. And there was definitely a lot of conflict between him and some of the other coaches on staff here at D.C. And so I, that, that's the thing, you know, on top of style of play and, and whatever, um, that would worry me about him in Seattle is, is he too strong for personality for a young head coach trying to establish himself in Mike McDonald. That's actually – so my theory was um, that what if – I know Eric Bieniemy has been rumored to not have the best relationship with all of his players and has been rumored to be kind of a tough old-school guy, but him not being hired for positions and, and um, you know, that, that reputation of being potentially difficult to work with, for me, felt like it was maybe more on a relationship between coaches and coaches – because I don't know that players, too many players are going to complain if they get yelled at. But I don't know. Did you hear anything about him being difficult to work with or about player or coach relationships there in Washington? Absolutely. I would say both. Yeah. I mean, there was this whole media, you know, what storm in the preseason because Ron Rivera stuck his foot in his mouth and said, hey, uh, yeah, we've had some guys complain about EB and they worked it out. Um, but I think by the end of the season, maybe some of those things haven't been quite as smoothed over as it was presented in the preseason. I mean, you had veterans like Logan Thomas and Charles Leto who have been around this league for a decade being pretty uh, direct. Like, it was interesting because they were like, you know, I respect EB as a man. He was the same guy every day. Like, I respect his professionalism. But, uh, you know, it wasn't always easy. It was kind of the line uh, that, was, that was said there. But you also hear some stuff behind the scenes of, of how he just wore coaches and ground them into the ground. Um, so that that uh, the level of intensity that he brought was just unsustainable. And I think that when you have a guy like Andy in Kansas City, that can be good. Like, he, he, I mean, clearly they love him in Kansas City. He was in the locker room before the AFC Championship game, which I don't know how that's not tampering, but, you know, we could deal with that another day because <laughs> uh, he was still under contract here at D.C. 
but um, you know, it's like that push and pull of the fun of Andy Reid and, and kind of the creativity and the things we hear about in that Kansas City culture. There's a place for a guy who pushes like that in D.C. Where I don't know how much control Ron had over the locker room by the end here. Like there's there's a lot less. Like if he's if he's the loudest voice in the room. I don't know how productive that room is ultimately going to be. I'll put it that way. And so for a guy like McDonald trying to establish himself um, and, and a guy, he'd probably give EB full control of the offensive staff. It would be really, really important that he has some softer, uh, more light voices in the room. And I will say to Eric's credit, he didn't get to hire his staff in here in DC because of the ownership situation. Money was tight and they didn't want a bunch of moving pieces and pay coaches who weren't working here and all that kind of stuff. So maybe if he got to build his own staff, it could work. Um, but that was a, definitely a huge problem here in D.C. You point out some um, some good dynamics when it comes to player relationships. you got your coaches as well. I'll look at who is um, who we assume is going to be hired in Leslie Frazier over here as uh, the assistant head coach with, with Mike McDonald. Um, I don't know how much you know about Leslie Frazier, but what do you think the presence of a guy who's in his 60s, who's been around for a while, can do to kind of combat that, even though he's on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, if he's the assistant head coach, I definitely think that he would step up. And I, and I think that Eric and Leslie have actually known each other for a long time. Uh, when we played the Bills or when Washington played the Bills back during the season, uh, Eric talked a lot about Leslie, even though he wasn't here this year, but saying how, how long he's known Sean McDermott, how long he's known Leslie Frazier, and in so much respect for that Bills organization. Um, so I, I do think that definitely could be. And I don't know Leslie personally. I do know like Lorenzo Alexander's a guy that I know really well who played in the league forever and played for Leslie in Buffalo and has just the ultimate respect for him. So I do think that kind of personality could help a lot. And that's a really good hire by McDonald to, to put that assistant head coach title on. Um, and by the way, that was part of the problem here in D.C. is Eric had that title and I think was, uh, you know, maybe abusive too strong, but, but certainly, uh, he certainly used it. I'll put it that way. Um, and Rivera was not really in a place to to push back on some times where he probably should have taken more control of the team. So I, I do think that could work. Uh, but again, like the schematic stuff and kind of uh, offensively where the Seahawks are right now and kind of the fit of they want to be this probably defense versus football team with how the roster's built, with who they just hired. To, to hire a guy who just had the past happiest offense in the league, you're, you're still getting over that hurdle, even if some of the personality stuff could be smoothed out. The Commanders and Seahawks were both vying for the services of Mike McDonald. Seattle pulls away with them. The Commanders end up hiring Dan Quinn, who obviously we know well here in Seattle, now that the dust has settled, Craig, on all the head coaching moves. How do you feel about what the Commanders got? Uh, I'm I'm very happy with Dan Quinn. Um, I, I would have been very happy with McDonald, too, by the way. So this is not like, ha-ha, yeah. suckers, we got the guy. <laughs> well, no, I know that um, you interviewed him yesterday, so I'm so curious. Yeah, no, I did. I was lucky enough to have Dan on the show yesterday. And he is, uh, like, to me, I, there's some confirmation bias because the, the type of stuff that he talks about when it comes to coaching is stuff that's really, really important to me. And I'm not talking about, like, X's and O's, but, like, I have this whole separate life as a fitness person and a, and a coach. And, like, so I, I actively coach people all the time. And, you know, he uses some phrases that I've used for a decade. And we talked about keeping the main thing, the main thing and principles versus methods and like this very art of coaching kind of stuff. I think his focus is in the right place, how he gets the best out of people. And he, I think the most important thing for, for me specific to Washington is he has a plan. 
And I think part of the biggest problem here in D.C. the last four years with Rivera was there was no plan. So there was never anything you could build towards. You couldn't scout to a certain type of football player. You couldn't bring in a certain type of guy or a skill set because the next year that skill set was useless. And Quinn seems to have a very distinct idea of like what a commander's football player looks like, how they're going to play. The, the attitudes, the learning styles, the everything. And, and so that's really exciting. And then I think the other part, that would have been my big worry with McDonald, although he's you know so good schematically and I think it's going to be great for you guys up in Seattle, is Dan has 25 years worth of NFL experience right. in the Rolodex to go hire staff. And he's already put together a really good one. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is going to be interesting, but certainly is a very well-respected offensive mind. They get Brian Johnson, who was you know, a potential head coaching candidate if we rewind a year ago. People thought he was going to be at the Eagles for a year and then be, the, or be a head coach somewhere. Now he's going to be some kind of senior offensive assistant under Cliff. Uh, and then you know, on the defensive side of the ball, getting Joe Witt uh, to come with Dan from Dallas is a heck of a coup. That guy's resume is insane with the players that he's developed. So I'm very happy with Dan Quinn. Um, I, I have questions, of course, because how it went in Atlanta, but I feel pretty confident that, that DQ has done a lot of introspection and, and ultimately is going to be able to fix some of those things. Yeah, we really like him up here. Um, last one. I only saved you like 30 seconds on this one, but I have to ask. I mean, Craig, you're out on Radio Row. Who is the most famous person you've seen? I imagine it's pure chaos. It is pure chaos. I mean, the guy that immediately pops to mind is Jerry Rice. Oh, he just well, walks yeah. in. He's got the entourage. <laughs> like, he's in this, incre- this suit that, like, costs more than most of our houses. Like, you're just like, that's Jerry freaking Rice. And so, like, there are some other celebrities out here walking around, non-football people, whatever. But I think, like, when you said, like, who's the, who's the guy? Jerry Rice is the guy. Love it. He is host of the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, Craig Hoffman. Kind enough to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Thanks, Craig. Have Thanks, fun. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. Good to talk to you guys. See ya. All right, you're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I feel like we learned a lot about Eric Bieniemy there from from mm-hmm. Craig Hoffman. Do you feel any? Different Craig ain't feeling him. Craig is like, look, not. He got some issues. <laughs> he can't be the guy. We might get back to that a little bit later in the show. First, though, Kyle Shanahan's got a big task ahead of him. Yes, obviously winning a Super Bowl, but can he finally get over the hump? That's next. Bump and Stacy, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Kyle Shanahan looking for his first Super Bowl win, obviously not his first trip. These two same teams faced off back in the 2019 season, 2020 calendar year. Chiefs came away the victors there. Then Jimmy Garoppolo under center for the 49ers. A different 49ers team in a lot of ways. I just read this article on The Ringer by Benjamin Solak Bump, and uh, it was a little above my head. It's something you would have understood. It was, I had to look up some stuff on the side. But um, he was talking about how Kyle Shanahan's offense uh, has changed so much in so many ways since then. Mm-hmm. They have more, they're dropping back to pass more often rather than just relying solely on a lot of play action. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, There's there's a few of these minor things that have changed um, that uh, make this matchup interesting because they're getting another shot against the exact same team, but they themselves are a different team. Do you feel more confident about this version of the Shanahan 49ers? Um, yeah, I do. I think he has his best quarterback. You had Jimmy Garoppolo. You had um, Trey Lance for a little bit. We saw Nick Mullins get into the mix. Sam Darnold, we've seen him a little bit. But 
I think he has the guy that's running this stuff. It's crazy, man. Shanahan has been the head coach there since 2017. I know. It's happened so fast, right? He goes 6-10 and 10 his first year, then 4-12. and 12. Then in 2019, they, uh, they went off. to the uh, NFC Championship game, won that game, and lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Um, since then, he's only had one season where they haven't had double-digit wins. In 2020, they had six wins, and they go 10, 13, and 12. So, And he got this job, and he was 38 years old. Uh, before then, he was with the Atlanta Falcons. He was the OC there at uh, 32. Excuse me. He got this. Hold on. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Young guy making moves. <laughs> Is it? Do I believe in him more now? Yes, I do. Yeah. Because as the years go by... You um you search for your guy. The fact that they moved up to get Trey Lance and did not hesitate when it came to sitting him mm-hmm. lets me know that he's com- he's confident in, in what he's doing. And I think that has to be key right there. And then you do everything you can to get Christian McCaffrey. He's never had a Christian McCaffrey on his team. He's one of the most versatile players to ever play this game. So I'm looking at Kyle Shanahan and I go, all right, if you didn't tell me the stat that you just pointed out, that they are dropping back more, if they were still doing the same things, I would say – uh, well, same old Shanahan, but the moves that he's made, the way this offense has changed a bit while still looking the same. That's that's the key part is that yeah. you look at these numbers and you can say, well, they're doing more of this and more of that. But I, I guarantee you most people look at this San Francisco offense and say, man, they, they misdirection is so great. The run game is good. The play action is going. But slowly but surely, he's been transforming it a little bit while still looking the same. And what do I always say about offenses? It's about deception, deceiving that defense. He has deceived my eyes because before you said that, I would not have thought that they are dropping back more and throwing the football. Also, because they are dropping back more and throwing the football, Again, that lets me know he has found his guy at the quarterback spot. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned Christian McCaffrey because part of um, the entire thesis of this article from Benjamin Solak, again, it's on the ringer, it's a great read, is that the threat of the run makes it to where play action is still effective even when they are dropping back more. Mm-hmm. So it's so he has uh, EPA per dropback on non-play action dropbacks is higher than it's ever been. And it was uh, actually not super effective. It was the second lowest in 2019 when they were last there. They obviously relied a lot on play action, on their run game, on a lot of support for Jimmy G with Brock Purdy. It feels weird to say, but like basically what the stats told Benjamin Solak is defenses respect Kyle Shanahan's offense so much that they're able to do so much more and and are more more potent and lethal. What respect does is creates um, hesitancy, right? You're going to be hesitant to try to overwhelm them with blitz because you believe that he has an answer for that. You're going to be hesitant just to load the box and make things difficult because he has an answer to that. And as crazy as it sounds, so we mentioned Chris McCaffrey. I'll throw Debo in there, uh, George Kittle in there, Yushchek, got Brandon Ayuk. All these, all these names. Everybody was there when Jimmy was there, except for Christian McCaffrey, right? And uh, Jimmy was able to win some ball games, but he wasn't able to do it in a way that made us believe that he can do it over and over and over again. I look at Brock Purdy. I think we're finally getting to the point where people, at least most people, are starting to believe he can do it over and over and over again. This Sunday is going to be huge, not only for the players involved, for the Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant, trying to win a Super Bowl, Pat Mahomes winning a Super Bowl in a different fashion. I look at Kyle Shanahan and go, all right, now's your time. You've arrived, right? It's been a long journey. 2004, he was uh, offensive quality control. 06, he gets promoted to wide receivers with Houston. 
Then he's an old coordinator in Houston, old coordinator with the Redskins, old coordinator with the Browns, the Falcons. Now you have your own program with the 49ers, and you have arguably one of the most talented teams to ever touch a football field when you look. I mean, George Kittle is going to go down as one of the greatest tight ends of all mm-hmm. time. Debo Samuel is going to go down as one of the athletes, greatest athletes of all time. Christian McCaffrey is going to be considered one of the best running backs of all time. And let's not forget what you have on the offensive line and Trent Williams, and then we can talk about the defense. It don't get much better than this unless you have a Pat Mahomes type quarterback uh, leading the charge, which if you do have that, you don't have all these other weapons. That's that's as good as it gets. So this is big for Kyle Shanahan, man. I think he's a confident guy. Um, He knows what he's doing. But there's that uh, the lingering 2016 Super Bowl that that is there that is damaging. I think the way people view him overall, I think they respect him as a play caller, Mm -hmm. but it's about reaching certain uh mountaintops and, and accolades and, and this is this is the final this is it he's yep. he's already coaching mvp as well like this is it for him it's a big game you're right been there twice once as an oc once as a head coach came away both times with losses the last thing i'll say is it's so interesting um because you're right it's like with kc hey you're gonna get a shot as long as patrick mahomes is still really effective what makes San Francisco so difficult to beat is also what gives them a unique window. Right. They're leaning on so many guys to be great. Mm-hmm. And thankfully right now they all are, you know what I mean? It's like impossible to beat this team sometimes because of everything they can do. And importantly, how versatile all these players are. You know what I mean? If you see Kyle use check out there, they might line him up as a tight end. Like you, you don't know how these guys are going to be used. Debo, he might, you know, on a jet sweep and pick up, you know, 30 yards or whatever. Like, but because they aren't just tied to that Patrick Mahomes version mm-hmm. of Purdy, that window might be closing. There may be no more pressure on anyone than on Kyle Shanahan this weekend. It's on Shanahan. I think Purdy is playing with house money, and uh, people are expecting him to fail, honestly. I think a lot of people are expecting him to to fail and not be Pat Mahomes. On the other side, people are saying, Shanahan, when are you going to join the club of elite coaches to win a Super Bowl? All right. Well, speaking of the Super Bowl, there are a lot of fascinating stories. We just talked about one of them, that being can Kyle Shanahan finally get over the hump? He's been to two Super Bowls, once as an OC, once as a head coach, has come away with losses both times, despite having two great teams in both of those seasons, and obviously now this season. What is the most fascinating story about this Super Bowl? Lots of choices coming your way next.